Okay, Ben Bishop, we are back. This is part three, and it must be the final part of this massive, mega indie folk tournament. How have you felt thus far about parts one and two to the extent that you remember? I think it was over a week ago we did part two. I feel great. I've, I've you know, kind of been hanging in, in spiritual, emotional limbo for two plus weeks now. <laughs> Which has just been really difficult <laughs> No. You really like closure? Uh, really all high need for I closure? Just, yeah. Anytime I've had, you know, a difficult moment in the last week, uh, or however long it's been since we recorded part two, I've just thought back to you uh, describing, oh gosh, why am I blanking on their name now? What's the Portland band? Blitz and Trapper? Yeah, describing Blitz and Trapper being pinned down by Navajo rifle fire <laughs> in, a, in a gully somewhere, and it's just made me uh, laugh and giggle, and I've just been like, uh, all's, all's going to be okay. Lord Huron is, is over by the campfire eating uh, Texas beans <laughs> straight from a heated up can over the open fire. <laughs> no, Lord Huron is like the, at the Epcot Center in front of like a cardboard cutout of the Wild West. Lord Huron, it's not even, it's not that they're making music that sounds like it was recorded then. They're making music that sounds like someone reimagining what music must have sounded like then and playing it at Epcot Center, like a romanticized oh Disney version. Which is kind of right. Lord Huron. Oh my I think gosh. you're kind of right hoping, about that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens to Blitz and Trapper tonight. We will see. Okay. So where we left off, we were halfway through round two. We had just done Phoebe Bridgers and Head in the Heart. And uh, now we are resuming round two. We've got four more here. First up is Joseph, Portland's Joseph versus Elliot Smith. This is probably going to get the award for the most dissimilar artists in one matchup Yep, in the whole thing. Yep. So from Joseph, okay. we get Half-Truths. There's so much I wish, a memory I miss, a version of myself lost inside this cavern. against Elliot Smith Angelus from either or someone's always coming around here trailing some new kill says I seen your picture on a hundred dollar bill what's a game a chance to hear him as one of real skill Picking up 
I think that well, obviously it's so it's my choice, right? That's the fun thing about this tournament, and I do yep. I do kind of feel like it would be a little criminal for me. It would perhaps to to continue our legal metaphor, perhaps count as gross <laughs> negligence to send Joseph on again uh, over Elliot Smith in an indie mm. folk tournament. Like both of these artists are kind of hanging on by their fingernails to the folk. Uh, situation here i mean elliot mm -hmm. smith is more kind of like lo-fi bedroom pop or singer yeah. songwriter or something like that but uh but it is acoustic based and it is kind of in the same you know these uh, these artists are all on the same playlists put it that way playing in urban outfitters or where, wherever they're playing these days uh angelus is uh, just a gorgeous song i like that song by joseph it's cool i liked the first two more um I definitely have to give it to to Elliot and just either or as a record is it's mysterious. It's, it's almost like a, not because of his death, but the sound of it is almost like, it's like if a haunted house were a singer songwriter home recording, like if, like it was written and recorded by ghosts, but not just because he's passed, you know, is that make, am I making sense? Am I too out there? No, I don't think you are. He, uh, he's almost like the term that came to mind was, it's like shoegaze folk. It's Interesting. It's very, it's got. Shoegaze in the literal the, look at your shoes sense. Well, maybe. Yeah, but it's got, it's obviously not that super fuzzed out pop that we mean when we talk about shoegaze, like a Starflyer 59. Yeah. Um, but there's something. I guess there's it there is in some way there's there's I don't know his story but the bare bones of it. Yeah. Uh I think some substance use and uh heavy substance use if I'm remembering right but also just yeah kind of a, a tortured person who who took his own life and so you you can't help but read that into it a little bit but it does feel to me like there's kind of a there's a sad aesthetic or there's a perf I don't almost don't want to call it performative, but like a performative sadness to it. There's a that's part of the vibe, and you can't but you can't help but think he doesn't understand that and sort of countenance that. He's it's part of maybe not what he's going for, but it's part of it's so in the grooves of the wax of the record, you know, just this this ambient. It's not even quite darkness, but just this this mood. Um and I guess on that note, I would segue into saying that back trying to pick the songs and listening back through some of the records, I was really struck by, I think it, it's mainly just the first record, but the first record is really, in some ways, kind of unfortunately, uh, extremely lo-fi to the point that it's just not particularly well mastered. It's kind of like too quiet. You have to like really yeah. crank it up. Yeah. But he really had, he really was doing this, um, you know, like a, a whole different kind of bedroom folk or just a kind of iteration of it that felt very like I got, I'm trying to get this out there, but I don't have the backing. Maybe I don't even totally have all the, the help I should have or need, or uh, that these songs are worthy of. Maybe I don't quite, you know, when I'm 19 or whatever, have the the technical know-how, but if you listen to that first Bon Iver record, it's, it's more polished. It's, it's pulled off better, even though it's totally stripped down. It's just a better recording. If you listen to, I've actually, I was actually reading a book recently about about the making and recording of Nebraska. If mm. you listen to that Springsteen record, like they're both just 
pulled off technically in a way. But th- but then you get to this stuff, a lot of the later stuff, the Elliott Smith, uh, you know, the later catalog, and it is it is, I guess, on some level better recorded and yet it still feels so lo-fi that you're like okay he's this is what he wants he wants this really stripped down i'm in my i'm in my little apartment sound so i mean you'll get no argument from me on giving it to him over joseph yeah i think exo and figure eight to me sound a bit more like he switched to a major label he had more money and he's getting more creative he's using real you know nice studios and stuff yeah but he's still making a very warm kind of classic sounding you know very like i don't know if it's quite lo-fi in my mind but it's certainly not hi-fi he's not like oh this gonna sound expensive you know he's not doing anything like that he's he is certainly um there's no disjunction between the records, put it that way. You can listen straight through the catalog and go, yeah, this is, this is the same guy kind of making slight changes each record. But those first two were on kill rock stars, you know, the Olympia, like riot girl kind of super indie label. I'm sure Mm -hmm. they didn't have big budgets, you know, it's, um, and it's a perfect pairing. I mean, it's like you wouldn't have wanted those records to be really clearly recorded. Like they, they are perfect as they are. Um, anything else to say about Joseph before we say help, say goodbye to them? The only thing I'll say about Joseph, other than that, they've just always brought a spark of joy to my life these last like three years I've been listening to them, is that they put on a really great live show, if you've never seen them. And part of it has to do with the extent to which sometimes it's just entirely just the three of them, or sometimes yeah. it's they have a backing band. But I mean, the band is just these three sisters, the group proper, and then they have people record with them and... And play with them sometimes but i saw them for example last summer at a big venue here in portland on the waterfront and it was literally just the three of them two out of the three sisters are are just singing they're on a microphone the third sister i think the elder sister and then it's maybe twins but she had an acoustic guitar and literally the only other thing she had was this i don't even know maybe you'll know the name for this not a not a stomp box but like a stomp pedal where you just stomp and it makes like a loud noise of some kind that gets amplified um Almost like, almost like if you've ever seen someone who has a, a one man band style kick yeah, drum yeah. that they're standing with. Okay. But anyway, it was just that, just acoustic guitar, the occasional amplified stomping and, yeah. and their voices, their incredible harmonies. And they were just riveting and they put on, yeah, if you ever get a chance to see them, they're really wonderful live. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us, Joseph. So last round, M. Ward beat Gregory Allen Isakoff and Fleet Foxes beat Glenn Hansard. And now in round two, we've got M Ward V Fleet Foxes. From M Ward, M. also Ward. a Portland yeah. guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Portland. We've got Shangri-La also from Hold Time. Up on the sun, this time tomorrow, fly, walk, or run. But this time no sorrow First stop, Jackson Next stop, Shangri-La And I cannot wait to see The expression on the face of my sweet lord And back on the train This time tomorrow By foot, wheel, or sand but this time no sorrow First stop, Jackson Next stop, Shangri-La such a, such a sweet little tune 
Um, up against Fleet Fox's Drops in the River from the Sun Giant EP. Years ago. That song just turned me into Stevie Nicks for 45 seconds. <laughs> throw, throw a free people gift certificate in my hand and send me on down the road. Uh, fucking Fleet Foxes, man. I love them so, so much. They, they've just like hacked me. I don't know. I don't know what to do. They have like, they are controlling my arms. John Malkovich, like they are a, my puppeteer. I love them. Um, what'd you think here in those songs? I also really like that M Ward song. Yeah. I would give that one to Fleet Foxes by, by a, a, a clear margin. There's a lot of daylight there between those. Yeah. I, but that's, that's just a wonderful record. I like M Ward a lot. Whole time is awesome. Whole, his catalog is good, but that's my favorite record. A lot of good memories. Listen to that record with my brother in an apartment we lived in mm. on the top of Capitol Hill. Yeah. Like a, I don't know, 2010. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great album. And Fleet Foxes were actually just uh, just breaking around that time from Seattle. So that's, that right. was, that's their first ever recording, their first EP, Hot Out the Gate. They had it from the beginning. They re- I mean, they were they arrived fully formed. Fully formed. It's insane. I mean, they technically had like a previous iteration as a local band, but like they switched genres completely and were fully formed. Like it was not, it wasn't like a slow evolution out of a weird indie rock thing. They were like, Oh, we'll change. We'll do this. And they were like success. They just immediately got it right. And they're drawing on the beach boys, like just enough. Any more would be like, okay, now we're like, now we're in their shadow, but he, Robin just has his own thing going. And he's like Brian Wilson. He's got a Baroque pop kind of classical sense, but it it takes on different forms. It 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 learn it leans more Crosby, Stills, Nash than Beach Boys. Um, anyway, we're not talking about Fleet Foxes in that way yet. M Ward, uh, that's great. I think his solo stuff has aged better than She and Him, which feels a little bit more like of its time and like that like twee moment in pop culture. Whereas the M Ward stuff feels more timeless, just like uh, yeah, just like warm lo-fi kind of. Um, but well-recorded and vibey stuff. I found myself thinking so much about my ignorance when it comes to recording. We've talked about the just the vocal performances, what an outsize importance they take on in this genre, mm-hmm. this style of music. The recording yeah. techniques and decisions, though, are also because so much of it is so stripped down. It's there's so few instruments. Yeah, often it's just a voice and an acoustic guitar. When I listen to that recording. That's a good example of where I find myself thinking, okay, I don't know what exactly he's doing, but to my ear, there's clearly like a, a very significant vocal effect on his voice. Yeah, it's, re- it's reverb. Yeah. 
that yeah what Wait, on m ward or flea foxes sorry yeah when you so this so pretty much everything on hold time by yeah. m ward Oh, it's, a, really, it's all a, his recordings. But like, talk us through a little bit. Like, what is when you hear that? Like, what is the vocal effect? And then, if you have any thoughts about like how he's recording his guitar. Well, I'm guessing the guitar is like you can find these guitars that are just basically very old, and the way that they, uh, the way they sound is it's it's more dead. So as we have made sort of more and more generations of electric guitar and even acoustic guitar, we tend to kind of maximize like the volume and maximize the sustain and, and uh, kind of clean things up in a way and older stuff. Like they didn't have, I don't know, maybe like the tension figured out. I don't really know the, the physics of it, but like, it's just janglier. It's like looser. Like I went and bought a $200 acoustic guitar once for this Bob Dylan-y sounding ad that I was supposed to do. Cause I just didn't have a guitar that sounded old like that. It didn't sound dead and like, um, used and almost like you, you know, someone's you, it's the one you imagine someone playing like in a jazz club in 1940, like that kind of a sound like original, original, original acoustic, like blues stuff, you know? Yeah. So that's part of what's going on. And then the vocal, I think is a slapback delay. So it's like a, but, but, you know, it's like one little delay and it kind of, it has this kind of stagger sound. It's, it's very much like a classic, one of the first uh, production techniques that exists. So when people want stuff to sound old, they go back to the oldest tricks in the book, literally when they were like, two tricks. We have a slapback delay and we have a reverb and we literally will throw a microphone at the end of a big metal tube and like, we'll play the thing through it and we'll capture that sound and mix that in. Like that's what reverb started as. And they figured out other ways to kind of capture it. Um, when we did the two thousands indie tournament, the joke I made that I was most proud of was it was grizzly bear versus my morning jacket and, and the, the name of the round, the, the showdown was the, there's only room, there's only room for one band in this abandoned grain silo <laughs> playing round <laughs> or it was, there's only one abandoned grain silo on the studio <laughs> grounds. <laughs> this abandoned grain silo ain't big enough for the both of us. <laughs> So that's like a long reverb and a big grain silo or like a huge concrete room or, you know, whatever. So I realize all the time that guests don't have all this lingo and I just kind of go into it because it's so oh, second it. nature that's to me. That's why I want to draw it out. That's fun. I don't even have all it's of it. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. He, the, the, other, the only other thing, let's just mention one more thing. We haven't really talked, had occasion to talk a whole lot about faith and spirituality. Yeah. His lyrics are just drenched in... Uh, not just Christian references, but really like sort of New Testament scriptural yeah. references, yeah. which is fascinating to me. He's got to have some, there's something must be some background. There. Yeah. Yeah. But the way he does it, I think it's kind of cool. It's, it's unique to him in this space. There's a lot of artists in this kind of indie folk space who are drawing on, you know, really old country or like old balladeers, kind of like basically old white music. And he's really tapping into some early gospel stuff there. And that's a really interesting pairing to kind of, because when you hear, like, if you heard that song on a brand new Taylor acoustic guitar that someone wrote it today and recorded it very high fidelity, you'd be like, okay, interesting. But when you hear it 
all lo-fi and old sounding, it sounds like something that would be on like the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack or like sort of going back the the gospel. It sounds like something Johnny Cash would have, you know, covered or something like that. And that it does give a different gloss to those overtly religious lyrics because Mm -hmm. it also takes you back in time to when that was a more established genre. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hear you. And I, so I kind of totally. like that. It's, it's like a little bit, you can look at it from either lens and he, he's pro, he may mean both, you know, he may be meaning it quite sincerely and love kind of tapping through that, that, uh, old gospel sort of waterway, you know? Yeah. It's a little different than Gillian Welch, who I really love. She's, she's, more straightforwardly in that I'm I'm singing gospel songs where gospel is its own genre and it's it feels more possible to see it as being outside of it's just it's somehow an edifice or a different thing uh I don't I don't know quite how to articulate that it's it's it stands outside of what tends to trigger my questions about uh, sort of what the person writing the song means either because it's literally just a standard or, you know, a song that's been recorded by a hundred different artists, or it's just so squarely in that vein or sort of derivative of that, even if it's a really well done version. Whereas his stuff is more, M Ward's stuff is, is more, no, these are lyrics that I sat down and wrote Mm -hmm. and I'm talking about, you know, I'm referencing Paul or I'm going to make you a fisher of men. It's very overt in a sense. So it's, it's always been very interesting to me because I know nothing about his, yeah, I don't really know either. His backstory or, yeah. or his his beliefs. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Okay, so last round, Bon Iver beat Nico Case, and Ryan Adams was uh, unjustly vetoed <laughs> into <laughs> round two. No, no, it was that was pretty close. Um, he Doctor Strange love style. He rode a nuclear warhead into this round. <laughs> That's right. Over who did he even beat the he Avid beat brothers. the Avid brothers? That that wasn't that wasn't too hard for me. So for Bonavere, we've got Holocene from the self titled record. Jagged vacants, thick with ice. I literally have no idea what most of his lyrics mean, but that is so beautiful. He's got this interesting thing where he's not following any kind of pop songwriting structure. He really feels free to to diverge from that, but he keeps your ear interested with, with all these instrumental breaks. It was the same thing with Restacks, and I know there's other stuff like that too. He's got, he, he's more like a, it's almost like a museum artist or something like creating this whole piece and not really playing by the same rules. Sufjan comes to mind with that as well. Like sort of blazing his own trail, that kind of a thing. I think it's interesting. Up next, 
Ryan Adams, I See Monsters from Love is Hell. Oh, people shout, people are freaking. I'm staring at the ceiling, waiting for the feeling. song i did not know that song i i did have this you know ep at one point or whatever but i hadn't spent a lot of time with it that's really beautiful and i actually kind of see like there's a little bit of lineage between him and phoebe bridgers i know they dated and that's kind of icky and i'm, I'm not trying to get into that but sonically sort of um really almost like the the voice not the sounds of their voice but like the the sort of place that the vocal delivery is coming from the hushedness, the kind of haunted thing again. Does that is that right? I don't know about that association, but he he is a master of dynamics. Yeah, those two songs are very similar in a way. In that, like a lot, I mean, Justin Verne is pretty much always in falsetto mode. Yeah, Ryan Adams is in falsetto mode there for a good portion of that vocal performance. <laughs> and Ben's vocal corner. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, stylistically different also, structurally at least, and sonically in some ways. But yeah, what do you think? Well, I, I have to give it to Bon Iver. Like, Holocene, I mean, I am legitimately planning to get a Bon Iver tattoo. I, there, he just, it just means a lot to me. It just hits me right there. And, but I, I just will, I will give Ryan Adams credit for that track. I really liked it. I will be adding it to playlists. Um, maybe I need to spend more time with that. Um, record. I, I, the next track we would have heard is the Wonderwall cover. My, my thing about covers is like, I don't like it when they change the melodies. So that's, that's a me thing. That's not anybody's fault, but I'm just like not interested in those kind of covers. So even that might be like what people would consider like the all time best change the melody cover. And maybe it is, but Wonderwall is also a pretty great melody. <laughs> and I can't not hear the Oasis melody when I hear it. So I know that that's just me. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to, are you going to use your second burn, your second veto to keep Ryan Adams uh, alive? I have a personal, no, I have a personal uh, stance, uh, which has been instantiated uh, privately over the last two weeks, whereby I will not use nuclear weapons twice uh, in defense of the same nation state. So I will, <laughs> no, I'm not going to override you there. So Ryan Adams is currently defenseless now. He's no, he no longer. My thing, yeah. yeah, he's defenseless and he's now, he's now being defeated. Here's my thing about Bon Iver, not my thing as in my critique, but just like, you know, the counterpoint, right? It's subjectivity all the way down for me. And I'm not even, I'm not even, let me preface this by saying that I don't even or let me let me say it, let me put it this way. I reserve the right to be moved by music to which I have no uh, strong emotional connection to the lyrics. Yeah. But because I don't know what he's talking about 98% totally. of the time. Totally. That for me tends to be like one of the bigger 
emotional hooks or at least the thing that has to sort of be in place for me to really make a connection with music. You're and so a writer, him, I find, you know, I get it. I find myself thinking this music is gorgeous. Yeah. And if I could just get that extra 3% of the way, I'd probably have a really powerful connection as it is. He's kind of a, not even, I wouldn't even say take it or leave it. His music is great. I like listening to it. I've really enjoyed rediscovering it and getting back into it. Uh, via this, you know, excuse to do so, yeah. but there's just, it's not, I don't know how to describe it. It's not a hollowness. It's just, it's just not quite there for me. That record, that Ryan Adams record, Love is Hell is, it's probably, I mean, like half the songs on that record are just bangers in my book. So good. You should spend some more time with that record. I will. Uh, do you think that it is in part because you are a writer and are, I mean, just so enamored with words you love to work on those words. You love reading. Is that what it is? Or is the lyric is are lyrics not reducible to words or poetry? Basically. Hmm. I'm not sure if I understand what you mean. Like it's possible that somebody could be like, man, I love reading literature, but when they listen to songs, not really pay attention to the lyrics music. Like I can imagine that's possible, but my yeah. guess would be someone who is not only really into reading, but also writes and yeah. thinks a lot about words to not have that as like a way to connect. Like it is a, it would be a more of a handicap than someone who's like, I am a professional oboist. And like, I primarily think melodically, you know, <laughs> like that would make sense. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. There's just, there's a, a base, a base drop, a base hit of just emotional resonance when, when words somehow get me yeah that cannot be substituted for yeah. i suppose absolutely well if he starts okay. writing sensible lyrics maybe we can get matching bone of air tattoos so thank how, you ryan how, adams how, how like how strongly would you recommend this this entire album of taylor swift covers uh, my wife is really telling was recently telling me about watching a taylor swift documentary and kind of like trying to experiment with taylor swift or check her out more uh -huh. wholeheartedly i've never really listened to taylor swift but my understanding is he's done an entire what is it 1989 an entire taylor swift yeah. album he just recorded every song he just did a full yeah. album cover i've never even heard of somebody doing that but you mentioned it last episode yeah. what do you think about it uh honestly I don't think you need like the whole record. Let's let's play a little clip here. That's, that's okay. this is a good reason to do a little bit of that. So there are a handful of songs that I think work better. Um, it looks like he also did Nebraska. So that was no. this year. What? This year he did. He also did Blood on the Tracks <laughs> this year. Oh, was this like a COVID project? This is interesting. Oh wow, dude. So like We're have he, to check this okay, out. Okay, here's Nebraska. Let's just see Mansion on the Hill. In That's a choice right there. Wow. Interesting. Weird. Uh I I have not known about any of this stuff that he's done i know i'm seeing this he did that entire oasis album that wonderwall is on oh my he has been releasing a lot of music well he is he's famous for being incredibly prolific okay so that's normal okay so i i think you can probably live without the whole 1989 record but i think that his cover of all you had to do was stay is superior to taylor's version and is like 
an all-time track for me. So let's hear a little bit of that as we say goodbye to him. Okay, do it. I've been picking up the pieces of the mess you made. People like you always walk back the road they push aside. But people ask me you're gone forever when you say goodbye. Stay. All you had to do was stay. Have me. Am I crazy? I love that so much. It's great. Is it great? I, I like that song a lot. I've never heard that. I like it a lot. Okay. You know who that reminded me of that I was listening to today is more on drugs. They have a kind of spiritual hit. Yes. Him, them, Kurt Vile. They all have this kind of, there's something that's shared there. And it's definitely, I mean, he feels like a direct progression from, uh, you know, both Dylan and Springsteen, yeah. where it's like, I just listened to these guys a lot growing up, and then I decided to do my own version of this music, and it's good. Yeah, I think that that's pretty apt. Um, okay, next up. Okay, when last we checked in with Blitz and Trapper, they were being they were being forced <laughs> up onto a butte somewhere in central Montana, using deceased horse corpses as cover for. <laughs> oh my gosh! They lit several wagons on fire and were. <laughs> Okay, oh my gosh. Blitz, we got Blitz and Trapper defeated of monsters and men, put them out of their of misery, uh, and Iron and Wine <laughs> defeated Andrew Bird. So we're getting Blitz and Trapper up against the heavyweight Iron and Wine. So here from Blitz and Trapper, we get Black River Killer. You make no mistake, I know just what it takes to pull a man's soul back from heaven's gates. I've been wandering in the dark about it long and thin, but they say it's never too late to start again. Oh. Uh, really briefly, let's just talk about that. That's like the thing that Lord <laughs> Huron would not do is have like a <laughs> '90s Dr. Dre sine wave synth. <laughs> you know in what the I really found myself thinking of when I heard that was cake. Yeah, it's kind of cake. That's good. Yeah, it kind of is. Oh, I fucking love cake. Okay, from Iron and Wine, somehow a track I did not know until you put it on this playlist. I don't know how I missed this EP. Uh, from the Weed Garden EP, which I'd never heard, is a beautiful song called Autumn Town Leaves. And this autumn town where the lights can change. Some get mercy and some get blamed. Some get lost when they feel the river flowing. It's all holy smoke and the flame dies fast. We 
People have stopped using the photo booth with the mustache and other uh, <laughs> props. Okay. <laughs> the mason jars have all been refilled for one final send off. And we are saying goodbye to the bride and groom who are leaving on the owner of the property's tractor, which has been decked out in just married <laughs> regalia. Uh, and this song is playing that iron wine song is playing. It is 2008 wedding, like end of the wedding vibes. Uh, we're deciding whether or not there's going to be an after party. You know, that's kind of the, oh. the time of the wedding. Um, wow. Oh, incredible. Tell me about those two tracks. Uh, yeah. I hear when I hear the Blitz and Trapper track, I think a guy with kind of a sideways, turned trucker cap to in kind of a ironic hipster yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> like he's, he's he Lives got invited to a wedding Beach. but but he and he wore like jeans you know because he just wears jeans 365 days a year yes. so he kind of fits in but he's also like i'm not doing like this indie hipster thing like i'm doing my oregon trail narrative yeah that's been continued over 36 tracks and three albums and now i'm gonna throw in a little cake vibe and i'm just kind of yeah I've, I've probably had a couple joints on the way to the wedding yeah and then i hear the <laughs> iron and wine track and i hear a guy who is actually like a you know phd and a professional musician and probably a family man and works at a university and it's a little bit more simultaneously like uh delicate and gentle uh and thoughtful uh but also like a kind of within this realm a little bit more square or straight yeah, laced and absolutely yeah 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 that's what i hear those are fantastic descriptions i <laughs> co-sign all of that blitz and <laughs> blitz and trapper personified like lives in a group house in long beach california where everybody yeah. chips in and there is a beer pong table that only gets used ironically like twice a month you know um yep. But no, it's a really cool track. I, I got to give it to Iron and Wine yes. because I think I liked it a bit more. I mean, he just has a melodic ability. The The combination of his melodic sense and his voice are, are just, I think that's why he's kind of Pantheon for me, is there's just something there. And anyway, we'll, we'll talk about him later. So Blitz and Trapper, uh, really cool. I have for sure... Uh, jumped two feet in on them. I added a bunch of stuff to their to my library. I am like into it, and I actually know one of the guys from the band from my uh, ad music writing oh, days. Yeah? He used to work at the the main company, okay. uh, Marmoset Music, that I've that I've written for for over ten years. So I've gotten to hang out with him a little bit, and and we got to be in touch a little bit on that. And uh, so I will I'll need to reach out and and tell him that I've become a belated fan of his of his music. So. Okay. Well, you're not going to be able to reach him after this because they actually ran out of salted jerky on the <laughs> Oregon Trail and died. He died of dysentery. <laughs> he died of dysentery a couple of weeks ago. Oh my gosh. Bliss and Trapper are now fox meat. Uh, vulture. They're now vulture appetizers. Main, main meal, probably. Um, let's just play because they've been a really fun, uh, find 
Uh, I really like this track, Requiem. We would have only heard it if we had gone all the way to the fifth song. So only if they had gotten all the way to the finals. But there are a bunch of these great songs on the Spotify playlist, uh, dear listener. So those are always in the show notes, and you can listen to them. This is a very long one, great for a long road trip. But here's Requiem by Blitz and Trapper. That's like if Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros weren't trying quite as hard, you know? Yes. It's really good. I really like that track. It's um, good stuff, man. Cool. All right, Blitz and Trapper, way to go. Good showing. We are now down, Ben, to the Elite Eight. Would you elite like me eight. to read them off to you? Do it. Wilco, Sufjan Stevens, The Tallest Man on Earth, Phoebe Bridgers, Elliot Smith, Fleet Foxes, Bon Iver, Iron and Wine. That's probably what I would have roughly guessed it to be. Maybe Tallest Man yeah, on who, Earth. Who, who, do you, you know? who do you feel is overperforming here? Maybe Tallest Man on Earth is, is overperforming. Um, that's possible. Uh, but I did use the pinch hitter, right? That's that was So I kind of oh, goosed I it a little bit. That. No okay. one else okay. I would say is overperforming. I would say everybody else firmly deserves to be in this, this final eight. Okay, here we eight go. Eight. Okay, so Wilco, who beat out Henry Jameson, the upstart rookie, um, are playing Sufjan Stevens, who beat out Edward Sharp in the Magnetic Zeros. And they could be a little weak right now. I feel like they had to use a lot of calories to beat Henry. So <laughs> hopefully they've had a good rest. It's been seven days, <laughs> seven days off. Jeff, are you feeling okay over there? <laughs> well, here's the thing. They are getting their first Yankee Hotel Foxtrot track. So oh. from Wilco, we get Jesus, etc. Tall building shake. Voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords, strung down your cheeks. Bitter melodies, turning your orbit around. Don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can come by anytime you want. You write about the stars Each one is a setting sun That's beautiful. Up against Sufjan Stevens' Mystery of Love from the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack. Oh, to see without my eyes The first time that you Oh 
that is a really beautiful Sufjan track. But I oh, think yeah, that it's a beautiful song. Kind of, I think it's kind of a transcendent Wilco track. And I don't think there are a lot of songs on this playlist that could unseat Sufjan. But I yeah. think that that one is such a track. I think really? I just I love that chorus. I th- the lyrics are so fantastic. Um, See, he, yeah, okay. Let's t- let's. let's that's lyrics. a good entry point okay. because he he. I have no idea what the heck Jeff is talking about. 73% of the time, mm-hmm. but I have a totally different reaction to it or a very different reaction to it than I do to Justin Vernon. That's interesting. Whereas it's somehow more, I don't know. I don't even, I'm not even going to try to parse that. It's pure subjectivity. Yeah. It's somehow more grounded in, I don't know. The images feel very like workmanlike. <laughs> like he just picked up a, you know, a pot or a shoe that was lying around. And it's like, I'm going to work this into the song. Yeah. They're less, I don't know how to describe them. So I'm not even going to try. Here's the thing I don't like about that song. I don't like those strings. Oh, hard, hard disagree. Love hard them. disagreement Love there. Them. Yeah. Yes. I think that record is essentially flawless from an instrumentation arrangement perspective. It's an incredible record. Yeah. It might be my least favorite song on the record, but I was oh. desperately trying to include something from the record that would work for our purposes. Yeah, because it, it's so a less much kind of, of that, folky that record, record is, yeah. is like a found sound nine minute exploratory really like experimental rock record it's one of my all it's ironic that i'm saying all this because it's one of my all-time favorite albums but that's i mean i still really like that song that's not a bad song but and and let me also go further and just segue to talking about sufyan and say that that's it's kind of for what sufyan does it's one note Almost. It's very that's a good way to not, put but it. That's not a weakness no. in my mind, because that's such a beautiful song. It is, but he like the thing is this, as I'm hearing it in the moment, and I'm not as familiar with that Sufjan track, for whatever reason, it hasn't made it into my playlists and stuff. It's it's beautiful, but it doesn't have like one of those incredible melodic turns or lyrical kind of things that he sometimes has. Like mystery of love is is like a really interesting phrase, like an interesting idea to sort of celebrate that. It's kind of a little bit trippy. I like it. It's a little bit cosmic Christian kind of a thing, which I am always drawn to. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, beloved my John or whatever. It's like where his, the final lyric is, it's only a shadow of me and a manner of speaking. I'm dead. You know, it doesn't have, and it sounds like those songs, but without that kind of like great kicker that he sometimes gives me. Um, and it honestly felt like it would be an incredible Angelo to Augustine song. And it's a pretty good Sufjan song. That's kind of how I think mm. of it. Whereas Jesus, et cetera, is like an all cylinders Wilco track. And I mean, there are better Wilco songs than that, in my opinion, but it is all working for me. So I- I'm giving it to Wilco. I feel like in the spirit of the tournament, I'm going to honor this decision. Okay. Plus Sufjan won in the spirit of letting you indie. be. Already. You being George W. Bush, I need to just <laughs> let you be the decider sometimes. So okay, no veto. Be the decider. All right. Well, let's talk about Sufjan a little bit. I I actually probably uh, talked about talk him about quite Sufjan. a bit on that 2000s indie because he won the whole shebang, and so I I wax poetic for a while. So I'll just let you talk about him. Um, I love him. Obviously, he's one of my all time favorites. Yeah. What can be said for those? You know, what can be said for those who already know his music? I just love him so much. He's important to me because he is, he is, I guess I'll say apparently or seemingly a person of genuine Christian faith who is 
who is somehow that that's genuinely coming through in all kinds of beautiful ways uh in his music in his art but it feels totally unforced and it's 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 totally separate from or largely i mean it's yeah it's pretty much totally separate from what you might describe as the christian music industry he's outside of that yeah um and he's i i guess you i'm I would say he's just like on the virtue of of his pure brilliance and artistry, totally accepted by a large swath of the absolutely the the the, the not particularly invested or sort of yeah. indifferent or secular, whatever word you want to he's use, like larger a- indie rock scene. He's just people just hear this music and they yeah. know it's transcendent, as you said. And yeah, I don't. If I'm honest, I don't really want to know a whole lot more than that his art is totally. so important to me I, i'm a big believer in some sense of not meeting your heroes yes. i don't i'm sure he's imperfect etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um yeah i've just his music's been been real important to me yeah he's kind of like a modern day bach is sort of how i think of it like music that is sacred but is also sort of understood in the wider culture to be excellent you know, like a, a Bach mass or something like that, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's just like a part of classical music history, but he wrote it. It's a mass. Like it is religious music, uh, but we don't only hear it that way. And, and people who are not religious can still appreciate a Bach mass. Um, that's kind of how I think of it. And so I feeling. just love him. So now we've got the tallest man on earth who beat fruit bats and Phoebe Bridgers who beat the head and the heart. Two, this is the petite blonde celebrity death match. Tallest man on earth. We get Hotel Bar, a beautiful song from I Love You, It's a Fever Dream. The little cheetah on the plains. She climbs a shaky tree to spot her friends. Oh, will they see me? do is say all things will be fine some days we will be all I can do is say things will be fine some days we will be in the same town up against kind of a heavyweight garden song by Phoebe Bridgers. When I grow up, I'm gonna look up from my phone and see my life. And it's gonna be just like my recurring dream. I'm at the movies. I don't remember what I'm seeing. The screen turns into a like that weird kind of digital distorted thing she's got going in the background on that record for on a few tracks it's like a, such a cool like what can you do to sort of spruce up a essentially a guitar and vocal 
folk song template production wise. And like, there aren't a lot of things that work and that works. It's really cool. Um, interesting. actually almost sounds like backmasking. What's back? It almost sounds like something, uh, well, backmasking is, is literally recording, like hiding a message that, that when you play vocals, usually backwards or something different, like satanic panic, 80s metal. Right, right, right. But that's we're talking about that instrumental effect. It almost sounds like that, like something's being sucked backwards a little bit. It could be. It could be reversed. It's not. Yeah. I don't think she's don't just applying something to that to that beat. Yeah, it's interesting. It's that song I really like for the vibe, but it is not as strong of a song. However, neither, in my opinion, is Hotel Bar that strong of a hmm. song. Hmm. Um, man. So I could use a delay of game, which we would mm. get the next track from each of them. <laughs> do I want to do that? I, I need. need I can't decide. I think more? I'm going to let you decide this one, Ben. I'm going to defer to you willingly. I like the uh, I like the trumpet that Tallest Man on Earth. Yeah, includes there. I don't, who knows if that's actually a synth or, or yeah. a real trumpet? But it sounds like a trumpet to me. Um, he is another artist who often has sort of abstract lyrics. Um, they're usually more narrative, but they're still kind of loose, loose narratives. Yeah, he, he's uh, an po- interesting lyricist. He's kind yeah. of in the middle there. Yeah. Whereas Phoebe is like so grounded. There's no way of knowing whether these are like quote unquote true stories, yeah, but, it's but they're concrete, very, yeah. they're very literary feeling yeah. with concrete details and they're, they're, yeah, usually first person, et cetera. I, I um, think that I, I lean Phoebe just because if they're kind of evening out on, songwriting i like her vibe more i just that vibe is like really special um yeah yeah i would i would without hesitation give it to phoebe i really like that song i don't know what else to say about her at this point well that you know you randomly chose a verse there and that verse is devastating and i again what can i say i've already said it's just verse after verse after verse after verse you find yourself thinking that is that's like a perfect verse yeah there's so much in that verse lyrically, and she has a beautiful voice, yeah. and and she frames it perfectly just ride, too. It's like ride it's just, those rails to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. She's she's truly one of our best, our best and brightest. Okay, uh, anything else to say about Tallest Man on Earth? We've seen him live. It was quite fun. He, he is indeed very short, very small man. He is. He can command a room. And it's striking because it's just him and his acoustic guitar. I was talking about Joseph, but this guy literally—he had, had a band, just him and an acoustic him. guitar. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. I saw yeah. him literally do an entire show at, at like a punk venue, and it was like six hundred people, and he yeah. was just on fire, that's and cool. it was riveting. I know that he has toured that way as well, and that would—that's kind of like the most um, financially feasible model for <laughs> touring musician, essentially. Sure. Yeah, why not? Uh, if you can be compelling enough on your own, like, man, that's that's powerful. And there's something yeah. strong and kind of human about that, I think, as well. Aesthetically, he is, he's essentially, uh, you know, in in the context of our wedding motif, he's a best man for hire. He's probably been the best man at 4,700 of the weddings that we're describing. <laughs> uh, he's a guy. <laughs> He just walks around probably, you oh, know, gosh. 195 days a year with a thistle boutonniere. And, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. I, I like his music a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's great. Okay. Elliot Smith versus Fleet Foxes. 
Oh, uh. this is just already painful from Elliot Smith. Uh. Oh my goodness. An all timer for me. This is like, we made a playlist of seven songs that we played on Jaffrey's stomach when Sorn was in the womb. <laughs> and we played it as soon as he was born no. repetitively. No. no. Seven songs no. that we have heard a hundred plus times, 200 times. And that when he was younger, he would associate with sleep. But he doesn't anymore. Oh. It stopped working. Anyway, this is Not one of those right. songs. Like this is how important the song okay. is to me. Between the bars Roll by it. Elliot Smith. Drink up, baby. Look at the stars. I kiss you Because it's just a little bit of guitar and vocal. But that chorus, I mean, he's channeling Brian Wilson there. But just doing it with this particular aesthetic. But the progression and the melody and the way it resolves. Um, around anymore they push. Like that, that is such a Beach Boys little Pet Sounds era hook. Oh my goodness, what he's doing there. And it's so unassuming because it's just a guitar track or two and this doubled vocal on a four track in his fucking bedroom. It's, oh my gosh. Okay. We have to move on. We have to hear the other song. I can't just do this. Okay. Oh my goodness. Champion V champion Mykonos from, Fl I'm going to have to just, there's no, I have no choice. I'm going to have to rain delay it. And we're going to get to hear two more songs by these artists, but here's Mykonos from Fleet Foxes off Sun Giant. Brother. Sophie's chose Sophie's choice on Mykonos. Do you play the bridge or do you play the verse chorus? They're both fantastic. Do you have two the incredible songs in one song? Yeah, it's two halves. It's really. I think we probably just have to play a little part of the second half. I mean, you've got to play. Yeah.
Come on, dude. Come on. So cool. It's interesting, though. So comparing them is really interesting because the Elliott Smith songwriting is I, I would have to give it the edge that just that chorus. And I just I'm just drawn to that Beach Boys. That's the Pet Sounds thing. This is kind of like the Fleetwood Mac thing that Fleetwood Fo- that Fleet Foxes is doing here. Fleetwood Foxes. <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, and like, you know, it, it's got that, you know, mid-lake draws on this kind of 70s rock thing as well. And, oh, but it's like, but their voices are so great together. It's a very different project than the Elliott Smith project. It's hard to compare them. And I love them both so much. If you, if by 70s you mean 1370s, then I'm with you because when I hear the first half of that Fleet Foxes song, that's a class. All I, all I see is coy maidens with long hair and flowers woven in their hair with like leather, you know, deer skin tambourines dancing in a glade. Like, that's what well, I, if we had to pick which one was more 2008 barn wedding, it would obviously be Fleet Foxes. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. You, you need to talk a little bit more. I mean, maybe you're going to do Rain Delay, which is fun, and we'll hear two more songs. But you're going to you'd have to if this were a court of law, you would definitely have to do some some more work to convince this jury that there's something truly interesting going on with that Elliott Smith song, because what you hear is fascination. I hear as uh, is just boring to me. Wow. Really? So you're talking about his like melodic voices. OK, the, just listen. I'll play this part again. Line? Listen to. The guitar chords he's playing and the and the hook, the main, just the vocal melody in this chorus. Can you hear that as like a Brian Wilson production? Basically, there's a timpani guy over there. There's somebody. I mean, I can hear it done like that and it would fit like. But maybe that's I don't know. Maybe I'm like, well, I can't because I don't stuff. listen to Brian Wilson's music yeah. and you're obsessed with Brian Wilson's music and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's fine. It should disqualify to me. It just you, doesn't right? have it's too. It's like a flat. Well, yeah, it's a flat vocal performance. And I don't mean that, you know, like that he's not, out of yeah, tune, but pitch, it's just yeah. it's so it's almost monotone and. I don't know. Let's give it to Fleet Foxes. No, let's give it to Fleet Foxes. Play two more songs. Uh, I I actually like using the 2008 wedding to to, to (laughs) tiebreaker tiebreak this one, and that's easily going to Fleet Foxes, uh, without a doubt. And the person who put that song on towards the end of the wedding does have a mustache. He is fully rocking a mustache, and maybe for the wedding he even waxed up the tips a little bit, you know, and has a little curl going on. (laughs) Doesn't do it every day. Oh, uh, anything else to say about Elliot Smith? I mean, I feel like we've talked about him a lot. Just incredible. I mean, I'm glad he was, I'm glad we had the chance to listen and kind of talk about these songs and actually hear them in this context. It was cool in like a more straightforward folk context to kind of hear him on his guitar. I really liked that. Yeah. For me, he is the unusual artist who evokes lots of distinct times and places and memories in my life. Yeah. And I think that's maybe more true in some ways or more possible for someone who you're who's actually not one of your absolute favorite artists who you've just listened to occasionally and had associations with, but listened to consistently 
So, you know, Royal, Royal Tenenbaums is an important movie for me and mm-hmm. my wife. Okay, Elliot Smith. Mm-hmm. I lived in Los Angeles for years. I associate him with Los Angeles. Yeah. He, he's, there's also a Portland vibe. There's also, you know, there's, he's kind of come in and out of my life instead of being a constant presence. What do you, what else do you want to say about Elliot? If anything, it's just a shame that he died so young with that much talent. I mean, just think like, man, if we could have 10 more Elliot Smith records, like where might he have gone? And that's just like, that's kind of heartbreaking. Um, but thank you for your participation. Next up, <laughs> that's literally in the context of someone taking their own life. Thanks for your participation is about the dumbest, corniest like thing anybody could say immediately after leaving that topic. So, wow, I'm going to uh, yellow card myself here. That's a warning. One more of those and I'm suspended. <laughs> Um, all right. Next up is Bon Iver versus Iron and Wine. We are getting to, Ooh. you know, every other year who's headlining Bonnaroo outside of Nashville. <laughs> uh, from Bon Iver, we get Perth opening track on the self-titled oh, record. Anyway, again, he he really takes his time. It's hard to pick clips, you know, from these yeah. songs. Very little yep. gets accomplished in any particular forty-five second <laughs> section. Okay, that's Bon Iver. Well, but it's a slow build. It's it is a slow, slow build. build. Of course, it pays off on full listen. Up against Iron and Wine, from whom we get "Call It Dreaming" from Beast Epic. Great, more recent record. Well, we pray. When our hearts are strong enough We can bow Cause our music's warmer than blood Where we see enough to follow We can hear when we are hollow Where we keep the light we're given We can lose and call it living Where the sun isn't only sinking fast Every night knows how long it's supposed to last where the time of our lives is all we have and we get a chance to that's a really pretty song mm-hmm. uh but here's how i'm thinking about it okay talk to me first of all i could award it to bonavera for no other reason that it is the only track on the playlist and in the tournament that utilizes a double kick drum like speed metal drum part and that it actually works that's insane to me the way he gets these extreme rock drum parts to like fit in with everything else and he's continued to do that and it boggles my mind but really it's like what sam means is doing there with iron and wine we do have a good number of men and women who 
are butter voiced and write beautiful organic pop music. We do have a handful of them. We only have one guy who like built his own recording compound in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And it's just like, I guess I'll work with Kanye this week or maybe Taylor Swift next week, or maybe I'll just like get really stoned and make a new band with my friends called gangs. That's like, he, he just, he's, uh, we talked a lot about him. Obviously he did a whole two part episode on his career, but he's a one of one. And so, and that song shows that. It's it's just so odd, the instrumental choices. And we played a bunch of instrumental section, which I'm glad we did because that's really what's different about it. I've been trying to avoid that, you know, mostly hearing the the vocal parts. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Iron and Wine, and those are kind of the reasons why, or sorry, to Bon Iver, and those are kind of the reasons why with these particular songs, but really love them both. Yeah. Well, yeah. Justin Vernon is... He's Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. He's a one man band. He's got all these weird <laughs> instruments strapped to his body. We just watched that with Soren. That's awesome. <laughs> he's, yeah, that that double bass, hardcore punk, heavy metal, hard you know metalcore thing. You're like, what? If you've listened to that music, which I have, and you have, it's it's such a non sequitur, but it's working somehow. And, I know. And you find yourself just kind of marveling that he would go there. Uh, it's ballsy. We didn't even mention in Perth, the song we listened to before, he's fond of the saxophone. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. He works the saxophone in a fair bit. I love it. I'm in. I'm uh, here for it. Yeah. I don't... What in the world is he talking about? Furling fronds and... No idea. And strange, you know, it's like sentence fragments. It's not even images that are just personal and you don't understand. Right. As right. with Davey Havoc of AFI is writing about you know like vampire bats or whatever and you don't really know what he's talking about but at least you can follow the paragraph whereas with justin vernon it's just right. total sort right. of ee e. cummings like found lines and fragments of poetry yeah. uh it's almost like it's just that's the scaffolding and then the thing he's really doing is the instrumentation yeah here's a question for you was sam beam aka iron and wine the the guy who plays under the name iron and wine was he separated at birth from ray lamontaine are they actually just like evil yin That's and yang evil and good twins because he sounds like him and the music is fairly similar and i'd never really made that connection until listening to that song but gosh yeah, there's, there's a lot of there. overlap there i mean man i just love iron and wine so so much i think I even really loved when he kind of did his soul music thing, his kind of Motown mm -hmm. record. Um, and I just, I've liked it all. It all, every one of his experiments has worked on me. I feel like we need to hear one more Iron Wine song. And you know, okay. this next one that you picked is as good as any Flightless Bird, um, American Mouth from The Shepherd's Dog, which is a great record. I'm a fat house cat person. Christ mountain stream. 
My goodness. I love Iron Wine so much. Anything else to add, Ben, about them? Him? Great band, too, whoever is playing with him. No. I saw him once uh, at a festival, a tiny little folk festival in outside Seattle in Washington State, and just seemed happy. Just hmm. seemed like he was enjoying being up there. Yeah, I've Very seen well, him Sam. twice. Once at a folk festival in San Francisco, and then once with his full band at like the Paramount or the Moor or something. And he's just so great. I, I would go. I don't think he tours all that much. I would love to see him again. Okay, we are down to the final okay. four. The Mount Rushmore go. of indie folk. Wilco, Phoebe Bridgers, Fleet Foxes, and Bon Iver. So we've got Wilco versus Phoebe Bridgers. And Wilco will be playing You and I from Wilco the Album. Ooh, mm-hmm. featuring Feist. You and I might be strangers. However close we get sometimes, it's like we never met. You and I I think we can take it All the good with the bad Make something No one else has but You and I You and I You and I Just like butter, just so buttery Next up, Phoebe Bridgers that funny feeling. Deadpool self-awareness, loving parents, harmless fun. The backlash to the backlash to the thing that's just begun. There it is again, that funny Interesting. I think I can, in good conscience, give that one to Wilco. But I want to know what you think first before we talk about that. Uh, it's been such a long time since we uh, paid lip service to the idea of comparing the two songs on the merits. I am. But, I am uh, on the merits maybe, here. No, no. I, oh. Yeah. My point being that in this case, I think I, I, I mean, I certainly could see my way to giving that one on the merits <clears throat> to Wilco, not because I don't absolutely love that Phoebe Bridgers song, but because it's a, it's also a good Wilco song and it's, it's got more going on. So if that's your gut, uh, you'll get no, yeah, there's, there's no, like, uh, there's no legal ground to stand on. I just <laughs> would reiterate all of the stuff I said yeah. before in terms of my feelings about, I mean, that entire song is just, it has a chorus, but essentially it's just these really long verses of it kind of a takedown of our entire culture. Mm. At one point she says, you know, reading Pornhub's terms of service. Oh <laughs> uh, it's just gosh. like, it's just association after association after association and kind of poking holes in it and pointing at the emptiness of so much of our culture. The I had, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that Leslie Feist was singing on that Wilco song until you mentioned that. And then I recognize her voice. 
Obviously, I really like that Wilco song. That's why I put it on the playlist as one of my five that I would choose. But tell me a little bit more about your feelings here. I mean, lyrically, this Phoebe Bridgers song is incredible. It's incredible. Uh, later in that same verse, you mentioned uh, a book on getting better, hand delivered by a drone, total disassociation, fully out your mind, Googling derealization, hating what you find. That unapparent summer air in early fall, the quiet comprehending of the ending of it all. I mean, just like she does sort of capture something about living and being, especially being younger, I think, in our era, in our age, that there is a kind of, yeah. there's more thinking about that. There's more kind of the, the thought of extinction or at least ruination in, in, in yeah. a large way is like really present to young people in a way that as they kind of turn into adults in a way that was not so plausible. I mean, I'm, people did know about global warming, but it wasn't, it was not a thing I was thinking about when I was 18, you know, it just wasn't. Yeah. And, and the yeah. spiritual desolation, so much yeah. of it has to do with this. To me, what I hear in her lyrics is this feeling, this trapped feeling that I think hundreds of millions of people have where we see, you know, even just with something like a cell phone, I use this every day. Yeah. It's not good for me. There's a lot of bad that comes out of it. Shit. What was the line in garden song? Someday I'm going to look up from my phone and see my life. I see that this is happening to me, but yeah, she's, I was actually just Googling to be like, how old is she? She is still at this point only 29. So wow. she's, she's over a decade younger than me. There is a generational divide or gap there. Yeah. Talk, I mean, are you, do you really like the Wilco song? Talk to me about I mean, the Wilco I've song. I've talked myself into Phoebe Bridgers is the answer for the, for the oh, wow. competition. Um, but I will, let's talk about how cool that Wilco song is. Like, Cause it is a cool Wilco it's song. It's really cool. It's a great duet and it's, it is like a, you could sing it at a wedding. You could do it for something non-romantic. Um, I guess it is kind of a love song and it's just like, they're just, they're cool as a cucumber, man. It's a straightforward duet love song, but the way they play it, it sounds fucking cool. Cause they're a great, cool, tight band that has interesting ideas about how to sound. Uh, and so it's just awesome, but it is not hitting me at levels, existential levels like the Phoebe Bridgers song. I'm giving a lot of weight to the the lyrical prowess there because musically it felt a little bit meandering. I don't know that song yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, and I tend to it's like tighter construction, but her vibe is like, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking myself into it. So it's going to go to her. Oh my gosh. Well, we could talk for an hour about Wilco. What, what do we say about Wilco? My goodness. I remember when my former Bible study leader kind of mentor guy, like the, the coolest guy I knew when I was a high school student, basically. And then early college who was like in any way involved in my faith. He burnt me Yankee fo hotel Foxtrot and told me to listen to heavy metal drummer first. And, uh, that I fell in love with that record. I kind of stayed with them more in the last like decade, maybe the last eight years since seeing them live a couple of times, I've dug back further into the previous records and just found a treasure trove there as well. They just have so many good albums and they are the tightest live band I've ever seen that I'm pretty confident about that. Just fantastic live, just great quirky American songwriting. I just love Wilco. Yeah. 
They, they, I, I went on a little mini rant about my vision of what, well, it's not even a vision. If you've seen the documentary, I'm trying to break your heart. You have seen what, at least at one point, was their practice space yeah. in Chicago, their Chicago band. But they, of a piece with that, of, of having, you know, this epic practice space with tons of instruments and stuff is this, this feeling that comes over me, certainly when I'm scrutinizing the music in something like this format, where you're like, it's a contest every time I hear their music, which is that in addition to like owning, owning every piece of recording equipment and musical instrument you could, they just seem to have, they just give off this vibe of not, it's not that they're working with uh, engineers and producers who are insane, you know, uh, Babylonian magician architects of knowing how to record music. They themselves. Yes, yeah, it's them. Clearly know how you want to. And I don't even know. I'm talking Greek, you know, three seconds in. But it's like you want to cancel out that sine wave or how 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 should we put this? It's just yeah. like there's tiny little layers. And every song has special on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. A lot of the other stuff, too. Ghost is Born. And in a different way, the older stuff. But pretty much everything in their catalog has 47 layers. And, you know. 41 of those layers are subtle things in the mix, but they're just making, they're like the Dan Coke of rock in that they make more decisions in the studio on a single track for pleasure maximization <laughs> than Phoebe Bridgers even makes, you know, in an entire album. Yeah, they're just yeah. sonic wizards, experts, savants. If it weren't true, I would resent you <laughs> talking to def, defining me as someone who is seeking pleasure maximization. But I literally thought, realized that about myself the other night as I was driving home on, on a long drive uh, down from Bellingham. I was like, I'm a hedonist. Like I am fundamentally a hedonist. I got to figure out how to make that work for my morality and not fight against it. Um, anyway, I'm not like a hedonist. I'm not like going like, to leave my wife. I don't mean that kind of, I just mean... I really, I do, I like, I like pleasure, man. I like pleasing, interesting new experiences so much. I'm going to stop talking about myself. This is feeling kind of Wilco awkward. Wilco provides that in spades. And yeah, that's, that is that. So Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is probably in an album ranking in my top 10, just because it's so partially just because it feels like it so fully accomplishes whatever it's setting out to accomplish. Oh my goodness. It's just a pure bullseye. Yeah. And you can't and so, imagine how they came up with that no. thing to aim for. But exactly. once they aimed for it, they fucking hit it. <laughs> they did it. They got it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, Wilco. Just love them so All much. Right. Well, they made it to Mount Rushmore. They did. They're, they're etched. They're etched in. So now we've got Fleet Foxes v. Bon Iver. This is like... Just to make it to the finals. Yeah. And by the way, this next song, Helplessness Blues by Fleet Foxes, is also on that seven song playlist for Soren. Oh. This song, and and I mean, this whole song is great, but I got to go to the second half with The Orchard. So that's what we're going to hear. Okay. If I had an
Unbelievable. Up against Bon Iver, Robbie from II. Oh, man. Oof. I like that Bon Iver song uh, quite a bit. It's I probably would have a couple others maybe before that on the, you know, on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. I, I like that record. It's kind of growing on me. Uh, but that Fleet Foxes song is, I mean, like, what whatever you want to call it, God tier. I mean, it's like maybe in my top 50 songs of all time. I mean, something oh, wow. like that. I mean, I yeah. just absolutely love it. That Tom roll with the mallets that yeah, that yeah. Jay Tillman's yes. doing yes. on the on the Does he still play with them? No, he's Father John Misty now. He's doing his own right. thing. I thought he'd I thought he'd left, yeah. and then I saw something that I was like, "Has he come back?" Sometimes. I mean, I don't know, maybe, um, but yeah, yeah. That 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 somehow that drum moment makes somehow makes you aware of this cavernous feeling. Yeah. In the recording. Yeah, and there is there's all this reverb on the drums, which is really rare, and. It, their voices are just blending so perfectly and just the idea of like having an orchard. And I mean, it's like, again, this is literally like someone tells a story during the speeches section that the reason that they chose this particular wedding venue is that the groom loved this song and it this venue is right next to an orchard. <laughs> and he imagined his life with his new bride living off the land but he will not do that because he does not actually want to pick fruit. He is a hipster and will get a tech job. But in that moment, when this song is playing, he he <laughs> sees their future life. She's gonna wait tables and run the store. We're gonna oh, we're gonna can peaches. But it, that song's perfect though. And then the yeah, whole first half, one the of those whole Mykonos style two parters, because I is, like exactly the first half of the song probably even more than that part. And the first half of the song, it, actually talking about it like with Phoebe Bridgers, I feel like is really a good distillation. Maybe less of a Gen Z thing and more of a millennial experience of like I'm I've been raised on all this baby boomer individualism, and I just want to be a functioning cog in some great machinery serving something beyond me. Or at least sometimes we feel that way. I don't know that we are actually capable of doing that as millennials. It's hard for us. Or maybe it's just hard for me personally. But like that speaks to me lyrically in a way. And then he's also got this perfect beach voice. I mean, it's just like everything. Every box is checked. Some people see God um, shining through the chinks of, of beauty everywhere they see it in the world. Dancy's Brian Wilson <laughs> shining through <laughs> the chinks of beauty yeah. everywhere he finds it. Yeah. I guess so that's you're going to give it to you're going to give it to Pecknold and Co. Yeah, I'm giving it to Fleet Foxes. I mean, okay. I, I've spoken at great length about Bonavere, so uh, if you have anything to add, feel free as we bid him I adieu. I don't think I do. I think I'll let you again write for the majority. <laughs> I love all these fucking <laughs> metaphors. Okay, we are at the finals. Final round. Here Phoebe Bridgers versus Oof. Fleet Foxes. I mean, That's we kind of knew it would end up here. Yeah. yeah, so here's Punisher from the album Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. Most times alone and some look at your worst But never not sweet to the trust ones and punishers Man, I wish that I could say the same I swear I'm not angry That's just my face A copycat Who I'm not would have told you. 
beautiful. So vibey. Up against Fleet Foxes. The song you've chosen is Meadowlarks. Meadowlarks, fly your way down. I hold a cornucopia and a gold. Wow. Here's where I'm here's where I'm leaning and then tell me what you think. I'm leaning towards mm. this. I think I've been giving Phoebe Bridgers a lot of well-deserved credit for being essentially the voice of like a good chunk of an entire generation. Okay. <laughs> pretty pretty high sure. praise. But okay. but that that's kind of getting me away from what this show usually is, which is more a focus on the music. And okay. Okay. I think what's like there are other Phoebe Bridgers songs maybe that I would have chosen that I think are kind of better pop constructions. I think you're, I think you're really drawn to her lyrics. And I think some of your choices are, have come down to that because she's a, a, tr a true rare talent. Um, uh, you also uh, instructed me in the discovery phase to only use songs that felt like they could legitimately fit inside correct. a folk Tupperware yeah, container. Yeah, and not all so, of her stuff does, yeah. No, I couldn't do Kyoto. Yeah. Maybe I couldn't do Chinese Satellite. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't uh, admit as evidence. Oh, because Chinese Satellite's like, piano, huh? I would have I would have counted that. You can do. Well, yeah. what's, the, what's, the, what's the real jam off Stranger in the Alps that you were like, we can't use that? It's just like an indie, not, indie rock song. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, why am I blanking? It's not... We did the funeral on Scott Street, but this song is something... Emotional, uh, motion, sickness. Emotion, motion sickness. Yeah, motion sickness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Great song. So but yeah, wouldn't anyway, really fit. Yeah. in my defense, Your Honor. <laughs> Fair. But I think that that's kind of like, and then I'm listening to Flea Foxes and I'm like, but the musicality is there. Like he really, um, and, and Meadowlarks is a good example. She's got, she's like pen over paper, has that kind of mastery. She's like, yep. dare, dare me to write anything. Like, just dare me, give me an assignment. I will fucking destroy that assignment. I will write the shit out of that. Lyrically. Lyrically. She has, she's got a golden hand holding a golden, you know, ballpoint or like literally like feather tipped pen. Okay. But Robin Pecknold is like, got an orchestra in front of him or a room full yeah. of instruments with like a marimba and a piano <laughs> and an acoustic guitar. And he's like. I ha he's got a gold, he's got golden batons. He's like, this is the thing that I can do effortlessly and give me an assignment and I'll destroy it. And I think ultimately that speaks to me more. Um, or, hmm. or like I need to get, if I feel like I need to give that it's due now, um, okay. to kind of balance it okay. out. I could do rain delay and we could get more songs from the two of them, you know? Well, I feel, it feels like the perfect contrast though. Obviously, you're 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 working off of these two songs, but with these two songs, what you're outlining there, that this is the perfect contrast. That there is no, 
in some way, there's no simpler, more stripped down version of a folk song than Meadowlark. Right. Um, It's just a guy singing over like a simple descending guitar part. Yeah. And he has an uh, just utterly pure, golden, beautiful voice. And then you've got someone writing wicked, insane lyrics. Yeah. So this is this is where they go, and there's no wrong answer. So I think I think there is no wrong answer here. Who do you choose? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Flea Foxes. And if we weren't yeah. into okay. roughly the sixth hour, <laughs> fifth and a half, or whatever hour of audio on this tournament, I would maybe do a rain delay and hear one more from each of them. But let's not do that. So Fleet Foxes has been crowned. Uh, we didn't come up with a good title for this. We, we got to go really. with the 2000s barn the, wedding. The bridegroom? I mean, I don't know. The They're the bridegrooms. <laughs> the bride <laughs> of indie folk. Uh, oh my gosh. The golden thistle boutonniere. Yeah, the the, the, the dry thistle, is pinned thistle upon boutonniere. The, of, the thistle kings. The thistle kings. The thistle kings of indie folk. There we go. And and Phoebe would yeah. have been the thistle queen, which would have worked. She's the great honorary too. thistle queen. That was fantastic, dude. I don't I don't know if there's anything else we need to say. I mean, I think we've kind of said it. It's, you know, if, if something hasn't been said at this point, perhaps it need not yeah, be said. Yeah, if anyone's still here, like, just give yourself <laughs> a fucking pat on the back. I mean, you if you made it to the end here, I, I, this was really fun. I'm going to really enjoy listening back to this in like a month or two when I've had a little bit of space to just revisit and hear these songs again and kind of sink into this vibe. It is a vibe. It's a distinct vibe from a lot of the other episodes that are on, about louder music, I think especially. That's been interesting to kind of feel that difference. First ten people who make it to the end of the episode and email Dan <laughs> will get dried dandelions <laughs> mailed to them. <laughs> uh, with Bugen, uh, a little packet of Bougainvillea seeds. <laughs> yes. All ben right. Bishop, thanks well, so much, man. Thanks for joining me for this. This was really fun. Thank you for having me. And we got to figure out As what always, we're doing next. Okay. Total pleasure. Oh, man. Yep. Okay. All right.